Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14, we'll look at this afternoon. And I ask a question in the top. How is it that Christians are thankful? Why are Christians thankful? If you are a believer, why is it that you are thankful? Well, we have three reasons that are given here in verses 9 to 14. This is a prayer. This is a passage I've spoken on in a few times uh, here. Going to a, a, a approach it from a little different standpoint because he gives thanks, uh, verse 3, for the Colossians. And then in verse, uh, verses 9 to 14, he prays that the Colossians would be controlled by God's word. And as a result, they'll live godly lives. And one of the evidences of their living a godly life is that they would give thanks to the Lord. So it is a thanksgiving passage. Three reasons we need to see here why you, Christian, are thankful. Number one, verse nine, because you were prayed for. Because you were prayed for. We read in verse 9, Paul says, For this reason also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. We do not cease to pray for you. Christians prayed specifically for you. They prayed specifically for you. Like Paul, they continually prayed. He says, I did not cease. He had a reverent bringing these things to the Lord, praying to God. True prayer, as we'll be learning in our daily devotional this week, true prayer is reverent before God. We don't come to God as some buddy, as some pal. He is our friend, yes, but he is our God. And so we come to him in reverence. It was a prayer controlled by God's will. He says, we do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, we read there that we know that we have the things we have asked if we ask according to God's will. How can you know if you're praying for God's will? He tells us in the Bible, in the scripture, in his word here. These Christians who prayed specifically for you, they were moved by a love for your soul. They wanted to see you trust Christ. They wanted to see you grow in the Lord. They were moved by a reverence for God and heaven. And a faith that God will answer. Praying for God's will through Jesus Christ with the help of the Spirit to the Heavenly Father. It is never wasted time. It's never wasted effort. And so number two, God answered their prayer. Christian God answered their prayer, whether that was your grandma, a friend, a co-worker, and they prayed for your soul. God answered their prayer. How so, you might say? Well, did you hear the gospel? You did. Now, did that happen because you caused that person to give you the gospel? You're an unbeliever and you say, tell me the gospel, something I never heard of. No, God put that person in your life at the right time to tell you about Christ. God not only brought, brought it to happen so that you heard the gospel, but so that you believe the gospel. We'll see in verses 12 to 14, you're in darkness. You're in Satan's domain. You're 
taken over by sin. But through God's grace, he opened your eyes and your heart to respond to the things that you heard in the gospel. God answered prayer so that you heard the gospel, so that you believed the gospel. God answered prayer so that you grew in the Lord. You grew in the Lord. Uh, one of our brothers mentioned a, a passage today. It was Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in you, did he just start it? Let it go on its own? Let you figure it out? No. He who began a good work in you, he brings it to completion. He's doing it now, Christian. You're thankful because, number one, somebody was praying for you. And somebody is praying for you now. You didn't compel them to pray for your salvation. And that's because of God's grace, God's kindness, his love. There's a second reason why you're thankful. And that's number two in verse nine. You have faith in God's word. You are thankful because you have faith in God's word. Paul prayed this, end of verse 9. I pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. There are three characteristics of true faith in God's word that we see here. Number one, that you believe God's truth. You believe God's truth, the knowledge of his will. You believe the Bible. It's truth. This involves your mind. And it's a knowledge of it that you grasp with your mind. Thank the Lord for that. You receive it in your heart. You welcome it in your heart. Thank the Lord for that. You bow your will to it. You obey what God says. Thank the Lord for that. This is all wrapped up in that expression a knowledge of his will. You believed it. There's a second characteristic of true faith. Number two, you're controlled. You are controlled by God's truth. This is what's meant by that expression, filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, is anybody full right now? Well, maybe we should stand up and down, do some jumping jacks, and then you can go take care of the rest of that dessert that's down there. That's not what's meant by filled here, okay? This is talking about, along the lines of maybe, for example, he was filled with envy. I just couldn't stop until that was mine. Or filled with rage, I was controlled by anger. That's what this is talking about here. Filled with the knowledge of his will, it means God's word God's truth controls your life. You're entirely controlled by God's truth. Do you need to give thanks for that? You sure do. There's a third characteristic of true faith in the God's word, and that's this. You correctly apply. You correctly apply God's truth. The last few words of verse 9 you're filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You're coming to God's word and you believe it. You welcome it. You're controlled by it. And it the spirit enables you to correctly apply it. He helps you 
no longer hate God's word, but love it. You'll welcome it. You can't get enough of it. And the idea of spiritual understanding is a discernment of right and wrong. The Lord helps you to see, to learn, to grasp what is right and what is wrong and to make right application. And you respond with, thank you, Lord, because before you were in the dark and you didn't know what was right. You didn't know what was wrong. Christian, let me ask you, do you believe, do you follow, do you apply God's truth? Because one day as a sinner, you just kind of decided all on your own that, you know what? I'm tired of being spiritually blind. I'm going to give myself sight. Is that what happened? No. Was there a time that you decided, you know what? I'm, I'm tired. Of, I have a heart of stone. I'm going to make myself have a heart of flesh. No, you couldn't do that. Did you just kind of come to the logical conclusion that, you know, all this so-called man science and their assessment of creation, that's really wrong. And we need to take what the creator says is true, that you just made a logical conclusion all on your own. No, that's not what happened. That's not what happened in any of these things. You heard God's truth and you believed it because of God's love, his grace, he opened your mind. He gave you a heart of flesh. He helped you to see and understand it and grasp it and believe it. A third reason why you're thankful to God, number three, is that you live a Christ-worthy and pleasing life. A Christ-worthy and pleasing life. Verse 10. And this goes down to verse 12. I'm going to read the first part of verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. This is the result of those believers who are praying for you, verse 9. This is the result, the outworking of God's word controlling you, the spirit controlling you. And it's seen in four ways that I list for you here. The first is that you're bearing fruit and good works, being fruitful in every good work and increase, I'm sorry, Stop there. Being fruitful in every good work. So the Holy Spirit's controlling your mind, your heart, your will, your affections, so that they're like Christ and his fruits are seen in your life. Uh, look at Galatians 5 sometime, verse 22 or so, at the fruits of the Spirit that are listed there. But I'll just list these real quickly. You have love. A love for Jesus, a love for the Lord, and a love for believers. You have joy in every circumstance. Remember Paul and Silas? They were in jail at midnight. They were beaten. They had uncared for wounds. And what did they do? They were praising the Lord for his grace. You have the peace in your heart and soul that comes from the Lord guarding your heart and mind. You show kindness to others. Goodness, you have right morality. Your faithfulness, there's gentleness, there's self-control. Now, every one of us is going to say, uh, we're not perfect in those, you're right. But you know what? Those are being seen and those are growing. I appreciated one of the testimonies that was said today that, you know, you thank the Lord for his work in our lives and making us more like him. He used the short word sanctification. 
and you look back 10 years ago, you know, I talked about our young people 10 years ago, they were a lot shorter than now. But what's happened? They grow up. They take on responsibilities. They're doing more. And we see that. And thank you, Lord. It's the same thing in your Christian walk. You are more kind. You're more loving over the years. And that's the Lord's work. These fruits are seen all the time in every circumstance, in every good work. And Christian, who made that fruit grow? The Lord did that. A second way that you know that God's truth controls you, the Spirit controls you, is you're increasing in knowledge. The end part of verse 10, increasing in the knowledge of God. A definite knowledge about God is gained only through the Bible. A definite knowledge about the one true God, it is gained only through his word. We can look at creation and we know there's a God and he's powerful, but it's, that's about it. To gain concrete, in-depth, specific knowledge, we must listen to what he says in his word here. And this increasing knowledge comes because you love his word. You love to listen to your Lord. You will learn more about what you love. There was a big pot of squash for lunch today. Did you see that big pot of squash? In my mind, squash rakes almost as high as pickled beets. That's how much I love that. I don't like squash. Could I learn to make it? Possibly. If I love squash and I couldn't get enough of it, what am I going to do? How can I make my squash better? It's going to take a real work of sanctification for that to happen, isn't it? I just don't like squash. My wife, on the other hand, loves it. And she can, well, I know she makes good squash because she likes it. But I don't like it. So do you make good squash? Boy, what a moral dilemma I'm in right now, huh? Some of you have zero interest in golf. We have at least one of our members. He loves golf. Have you ever played golf? You just kind of get that stick and kind of whack it. And our brother who loves golf is going to say, hold on, let me help you. Put your hand this way. Do this with your knees and that and you know and and you and I are like I don't care you know <laughs> but if you loved it you're going to do what you're going to study it you're going to try to get more we could do the same with so many other things but Christian you love the Lord every Christian loves the Lord and every Christian wants to learn more about the Lord Increasing in the knowledge of his will. The knowledge that is content, that is known. Knowledge that changes your character. Knowledge that directs your conduct and how you live. And that's what characterizes every believer. I am thankful that we are not all the same. We are a body. Some of us are thumbs. Some of us are you know, index fingers, some of us are fingernails. You know what I mean? 
We're all different, but we all love the Lord. And we all want to see the Lord glorified. A third way that you know that God's truth and the Spirit controls you, verse 11, is you're strengthened in power. Look at this, verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering. Struggling against sin, struggling with our fallenness, living in a Satan-controlled world, it is hard. You do not have the mental, the physical, the emotional strength to deal with it. We are weak, aren't we? We cannot deal with it. Who has all power? Who is omnipotent, all-powerful? It is God. And when you're looking to him and you're controlled by his will and you're striving to live a Christ-pleasing, Christ-honoring life, it's seen in that he strengthens you. He strengthens you through these times that God empowered strength to live for him in every aspect of your life, every relationship that you have, every responsibility that you carry. And who gives you that to live a Christ-pleasing life in a sin-cursed world? The Lord does, and we give thanks to him for that. A fourth and last way that you know that God's truth controls you is you have joyful thanksgiving to God. Now at the end of verse 12, I'm sorry, end of verse 11, it has that little phrase there, with joy. That really should connect with giving thanks so that the idea is joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Joyfully giving thanks. This is the ultimate evidence, the ultimate mark of a Bible-controlled life, of a Christ-pleasing life. This is the ultimate. This, see how it, it all comes to this? I pray that you be filled with the knowledge of his will to live a Christ-honoring and pleasing life that's characterized by increase, being fruitful, increasing in knowledge, being strengthened for every good work, and it all comes to this, joyfully giving thanks to God the Father. This is where it comes to. And Christian, why were you saved? To save you from hell? Yes. To save you from sin? Yes. But why were you saved from sin? So that you would be to the praise of his glory. And how do we do that? By giving thanks to him. How many of our thanksgiving today were we thank the Lord for his saving us? That's what this is talking about. Only Christians offer true thanksgiving to the Lord. They recognize these good gifts as coming from a triune God. And we express gratitude to the triune God. We offer it to the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. The only kind of thanksgiving that's accepted by the Lord, that's pleasing to him, is Christian thanksgiving. You watch the floats that might go down in the parade on Thursday on TV or something like that, and the, the TV commentators will say, we, need, we have so much to be thankful for. Who are they giving thanks to? We're just, I, it doesn't matter. They say, just you need to be thankful. 
Thankful to whom? To it? To yourself? To someone else? Who is the one who gives every good gift? It's God in heaven. He gives every good gift. He gives the air that we breathe and everything. Paul gives more here. He gives some specific things. Three spiritual truths of joyful thanks. Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father, he's qualified us to be partakers of inheritance of the saints in life. You are once far off, but you've been brought near. Verse 13. He's delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of his beloved son, his, his son uh, his, the son of his love. You are in darkness, but now you are in light, Christian. Verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You were once guilty and condemned in sin, but now it's been forgiven. How far is your sins removed from you, Christian? As far as the east is from the west. That's pretty far, isn't it? It's gone. It's not present. This is why you give thanks. Because sin's power has been broken in your life. Yeah, we still have to deal with some of the remnants of it. But we have this hope that there is coming a day when Jesus comes that you'll receive a glorified body, no more specks of sin at all. We have much. This is, this is why we are thankful to the Lord. Pulling things together here. This passage, Christian, gives you a good pattern for how to pray. For other Christians. A good pattern on how to pray and what to pray for other Christians. How should you pray? Verse 9. Do not cease. Continual. We pray. This is reverence to God. It's for you. That's intercession. We ask God. We give petitions to Him. And we bring these things Praying for God's will. What do we pray for? Pray for your brothers and sisters that they will be controlled by God's word. They will be filled with the knowledge of his will. Here you have clear teaching from the Lord what to pray. Oh God, help my brother, help my sister. Be filled with the knowledge, be controlled by the spirit, be controlled by the word so that they will walk worthy so that they'll please the Lord and that they'll bear fruit, they'll increase in knowledge, they'll be strengthened with His might, they'll joyfully give thanks for what the Lord has done for them. Christian, God's will for you in Christ Jesus is joyful thanksgiving. Christians, we must pray. We must pray that we have this greater faith more controlled by God's word, more like Christ. And this is God's will for everyone. This is God's will for everyone. Do not think that this world can go along fine with people who are Christians and people who aren't Christians, or whichever side you're on. <laughs> God made what? Who did God make? 
God made everything and everyone. And he made you in his image so that you would think like him. You would love like him. You would live like him. With every second of your life, but none of us do naturally. We're born in sin. But God so loved the world that he gave whom? His only begotten son to live, the Lord Jesus, a perfect life, to die for sinners, a substitutionary death so that you would not have to. He rose from the dead. And when you trust in him, and you turn from your sin, and he gives you that new life, he changes you. Everything's completely new. Completely new. There isn't a greater gift in this universe than that. Much to be thankful for. We have a, a sure hope. We have a life that we live now for the Lord. Let's give thanks to him.